cup would be depleted and empty, which is usually when there was a lot of other havoc that was created in patterns or... Can hairdressers relate being, to that? Being drawn to, like, negative, you know, significant relationships that I should have known that were not good for me. And it's because, like, I wasn't able to recognize the, the positive energies or the positive relationships that I needed to be dragged towards. Wow. So it's just, like, I think even what you said asking if someone can hold space for you or being like can you give me space before you even just like unload it all on that person can make a it's a huge game changer not only for yourself but for that other person hi guys welcome to the beauty inspires beauty podcast um we had so much to talk about and catch up today that we got started without you i'm sorry so welcome to the show and um this is ashley we have been following each other for a while now i've I think we met through social media, yeah, but pretty I, sure Instagram. Yes, I think it's through our friends at Eco Sheet Salon. Yes, I think oh, you I know Leanne. Okay, so through the hairdresser world, and uh, we were just discussing why and how I started this show and what the premise of it is and all the things I want to bring to you guys. So she is not a hairdresser, <laughs> but she is in the world of you know marketing yourself, PR, branding, all the things that someone like me who's starting a business should know about. Uh, and mind you, I had a business for the last 20 years, but I didn't know about any of this kind of stuff because I grew up in the old school marketing of like guerrilla marketing where yeah. you like actually talk to people in person yeah. where you had to speak to them. A lot of networking events, a lot of mailers, old school. All the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> back in the day, I used to stamp envelopes for my mom. Um, but today I wanted to bring you on because we, through social media, kept she kept popping up and I just know that people in our industry need to know more about what you do. And so can you explain to our guests what it is that you do and how you kind of got started in what you're doing? Yeah, so Ashley Graham, I'm your brandista online. And essentially what I bring to the table that I think is very unique from even others in my role is I come from a PR and communications background. And so obviously PR and publicity is very much an element of my day-to-day life of what I teach and what I you know, promote on social media. But another aspect of this, and this is something that I'm even transitioning to again within my business, is stepping into confidence coaching and empowerment coaching. And it's coming from the media's perspective, social media showing up on influential outlets or even getting on TV, radio, or podcasts. There's a level of inner confidence that you have to have within yourself and your message of what you need to share. And I've just, you know, heard over the years in my entrepreneur journey that I just have a natural like energy of where I kind of bring that confidence out in others. And so I'm trying to kind of corner that aspect of getting people comfortable enough to kind of share the vulnerable aspects of their their story and their message with others that it'll resonate with. So that's amazing. And I think that word vulnerability is something that has come up over the last couple of years as like a, a natural word. It's not a natural thing to do for people though. I think girlfriends have that. I think we can sit and chat and be a little bit more vulnerable with each other, but the newness of sharing that on social media is it's still new for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people have that calling to share or to speak or to inspire or whatever it might be, but they they can't get the camera in front of their face. It's so awkward and weird. <laughs> and when they do do it, they watch it back and they're like, fuck, I'm going to erase that. They never actually come and post. And mm-hmm. so they might still have something in them that they feel they want to get out. And I know a lot of hairdressers that are super talented and could have, you know, Instagram pages and followings like a lot of other people, but they they can't do that. They can't get themselves in front of the camera. And if they do, they don't do it consistently enough to get them where they think they want to be. So how would you say to somebody, let's just say they got a 20-minute call, 15-minute call with you, 
what were the what would be the questions that you would ask them to see and to get them through those blocks yeah so and this is like my shift I have not fully like looked at that process just yet a lot of my questions that I typically ask more on the PR side okay is like so obviously tell me a little bit about yourself and your business how do you want to show up in the media's perspective if they have influential outlets that they already have in mind of what they would like ideally want to be featured within because I think you know when we're looking on social media or we're reading blogs and podcasts listening to podcast things of that nature it's there's natural feelings that kind of arise that you're like oh my gosh I really resonate with the host of this podcast or the writer of this this blog or this outlet and I would love to at least sit down and have a conversation with them to maybe create a story around myself mm. and so it's just more of questions of that nature of like you know what type of media are you drawn to and how would you kind of start seeing that for yourself and do you believe that you have a story to share mm. because I actually I get a lot of prospect clients that you know they'll come to me and they'll ask me like do you think I have a story and every publicist and every PR professional will say yes you have a story it's just all about extracting that and so getting questions like that is already um, kind of like an anchor that I don't think that they're in that position yet to show up if they don't even believe that they have a story Got so obviously it'd take a little bit more extraction and pulling to get to the point to get more into like to the media outreach and the pitching aspect of it but I think that that's where kind of the confidence coaching from the media's perspective or from a publicist would make a huge impact of getting people to that position of believing you know in every single inch of their soul that they have something to share and this is what they're meant to share and this is what they're meant to share got it yeah, so before we hit record on this, we were talking about, you know, why I wanted to do this and I, I, the podcast itself. So I myself got into wanting to coach other hairdressers based off the fact that I had wished I had a coach. And about a year and a half ago, I did do a group mastermind that was business focused. And I talk about it a lot because it's something that really opened my eyes to what was possible. I didn't go to college, so I don't have a business degree along with my cosmetology degree yet as a booth renter and now salon owner, I'm meant to run a successful business and somehow scale it and not know any of this stuff. <laughs> so that's that's wild to think that I would now be a numbers person, a super organized person, aside from a creative. Like when your sole focus is to do all of the creative stuff and the connecting with the clients, creating the whole experience, it doesn't leave a lot of room for all the other things. No. So for a long time, I felt stuck with the idea of like, where do I wanna go with my business and how long do I have to be behind the chair for like am I committed to this forever or can I give myself options to do something else and so that's when like the introduced to the world of like PR and she's like the second or third person that I that I've met in the last couple of years that does this kind of work and sometimes you might be thinking like what do I need PR for I, I just do hair or I just do you know something in the industry I think being able to create yourself as a brand mm -hmm. is something that you got to catch up with the times now. I fought it for yep. a while. I don't need social media for my work. I'm referral based only. Um, I don't need a website. I don't need all these things. But once I realized that I had to build myself as a brand to potential clients to sit in my chair and then also to potential clients to take my coaching programs and to work with me, which would be the hairstylist, I knew that I couldn't just say, hey guys, I'm doing this now. I tried that. <laughs> You know, and you get crickets back because they're like, wait, what is she doing? It's confusing. When your message is unclear, it's confusing. And I'm almost glad that I walked through that, like, confusion because I had friends, I had mentors that I hired say, if you don't know why you're doing something and if you can't get your story right, 
people hear you, but they don't feel that you're talking to them. So if you're talking to everybody, you're talking to no, no one. That's yeah. like the most annoying thing, but it's so true. <laughs> it's like, it's all about niching down as to who you want to help and who you want to work with. So my girlfriend Vanessa is here right now. She does some of my photography and we were talking about that because she's starting her own company and she is talking about who she wants to work with and her ideal client. So early this morning, we had a conversation about working with people that you want to work with. I think people in our industry don't realize they get a choice. Same with you. You mm -hmm. get a choice on who you want to work with. How do you determine like who's an ideal client for you? Like you said, there's some core questions that you ask, but like, do you know who your ideal client is? Right now, and I mean, this comes from many mistakes of kind of putting myself in a box, taking myself out of that box, ended up being in another box that was never my box to get into <laughs> in the first place, and then getting thrown out of that box and then into another box. See, so the, that the, 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 the journey is never clear. Like, you think someone's path is like, oh, she's so lucky. No, hell no. How many boxes she got in and out of? That's exhausting. And I mean, let me just tell you that I'm even working on my own vulnerability to like talk about the things where I have pigeonholed myself into places that I should have never been in mm. in the first place, and then kind of doing the ring of of being in different directions at once. Anywho, back on topic. But um, right now, I think I lead with who I naturally just can like relate with, and a lot of times that is women, um, and that's older women who have either had difficult upbringings mm. depending on whatever the the situation may be maybe women who have moved from different states and who don't really necessarily have families close by and so they're looking for the people that they work with to resemble some type of family unit for them or some kind of relationship built based on more of a personal relationship versus work and I think it's just more of like personalities at that point and this is where you know, through my, my box jumping around is like, you know, leading with working with people as the, like as the business. Mm -hmm. And so I come from working with restaurants and hospitality. I've worked in real estate. I've worked with interior design companies. I've worked with e-commerce and product-based businesses. I've been the worst example of niching down possible. <laughs> <laughs> well, PR is kind of broad. So yeah. I feel like you, you, and wouldn't you say, like, to give yourself some grace and credit here, wouldn't you say you had to try the different boxes, the different avenues to see what you wanted to settle into? Yes. I get a lot of flack for, oh, you're always doing all sorts of things, or you're all over the place, or you kind of have, like, shiny object syndrome. I'm like, listen, I'm not afraid to try something to see if it's a good fit for me. Yep. So while that might not work for everybody, and they want to just stay in their box and stay in their lane, like, good for them. Like... I have to see, oh, that looks interesting. Is that my next chapter? Like, is that my next season that I want to be in? Do I want to try that out? Well, can I make that work into my whatever? So I feel like everything that you went through and learned, you, you got a lot of takeaways from it too, yes. right? Now it got you to the place where you yeah. are now. And that it literally led me to not necessarily over pressuring myself of thinking about an industry or a type of product or service but literally working with people-based brands. And so if I was to throw out, you know, perfect examples, it would be, you know, a Jasmine star, like working with her from a PR perspective mm. and helping her, not that she needs any help by any means, she's got that pretty dialed in, but like where the business is based off of the influence of the person who's driving it. Yes. And a lot of that, especially from the PR sharing your story, is it's the person who's driving or you know, driving the ship is what like really leads the success of the company. And then, you know, say for instance, if it was like a CEO who wanted to get more press or recognition around them as the, the influence of the whole entire business, 
I just think focusing on them as a person and what they have to share, it just creates better internal dynamics within their teams and their teams can resonate with the, the influence of the company itself too, based off of the stories that are shared. And it just keeps that, that synergy. So I'm, I'm hopeful there will be a lot of salon owners that are watching and I feel like what you're saying will either go over people's heads as far as like a company <laughs> or they'll be like, I have a company with either employees or booth renters or any form of you know staff and I wish to my core that the, my previous salons had had more of a structure where there was a CEO in, of type in place rather than a barking mean manager who just told you what to do. Like, I think being able to grow that and, and that's why the language that you speak, like, can you, can you put your, I know you know the business of salons too, can you put that in perspective for a salon owner or someone who is looking to grow a team? Yeah. <laughs> and wants to do other things with that team. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I'm not going to, like, put any specifics out there, but there was um, a dynamic of one of my old salon, salons, I guess, I went to. Yeah. I mean, I specifically went for a friend who was the hairstylist. And that you went to get your hair done at? I went to get okay, my so hair done Okay, so you were a client. At. I was a client, Got yes, it. of a hairstylist. Okay. Yes. Um, and, I mean, this was years ago. And, you know, you only know the relationship of that salon based off of the stylist that you go to. And, like, when you sit in the chair, that becomes, like, therapy hour. Not just for you as a client, but also for the, you know, the stylist, too. Because you get to really know the, the client and there's just, like, I don't know, a synergy in conversation. Totally. But you never, you never know the, who the manager of the salon is. You never know who the owner is. Because a lot of times, especially in that specific environment... You know, I heard through the stylist that, you know, the, the owners, they don't even really have a relationship with them. It's the managers of, of the salon. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, you see the entity of the salon, but you never really know the influence or the reason why the salon has the name that it has or, like, why their mission of providing good hair products or a good hair service is the way that it is. Right. And so you get that from the stylist themselves, which that's more of the personal brand of the stylist, not anything from the salon's perspective. And so I think... If I was to paint a picture of an owner of a salon could come in and actually really demonstrate the why factor of why they bring in certain stylists to provide the the service and the care to the clients who are coming into the salon. Right. Hopefully that it totally makes sense. To yeah, a lot of things are popping up as you're saying that because mind you, I have 20 years as a, a stylist who worked at a various salons. So I think um, it goes back to me talking about the individual stylist needing to brand themselves individually. Mm -hmm. I think it's a lot of weight for an owner to carry, say in a big salon. I came from a really big place, a couple big places. And that the last place I was at, she was an active behind the chair stylist too. So as a, as, as a stylist on the floor, we knew who the owner was. We knew there was level of respect because she, she was in the game with us still. She was still doing the work, right? And I think she did her best to create like a culture in the salon and it's tough because you've got a lot of individual businesses inside your business. Mm -hmm. So when people pay to rent a, a space, there's some sort of, you know, ownership to that space, almost like you're not going to tell me what to do or I don't have to do it this way. And I think that's what's difficult in this industry is creating that community, starting with the owner and then going to the management and so on and so forth. So, and, and like many industries, people come and go. And once you got it down, something changes, right? So it's like, how do you build that structure in from the very beginning to the team and keep it going even if you're having people coming and going? It's mm -hmm. like an onboarding process that they would need to like sit down and 
be sure that everybody was cool with that because at some point I think some salons just try to fill the chairs with whatever stylist will work there just because it's an overhead thing. Yeah. Especially right now with what's going on. Yeah. I honestly think that that's probably about 95% of the focus is just getting one, the booth rented yep. and then making sure that the person, the stylist is the one driving the customers in. And I don't think that that creates a good connection between the overall salon dynamic as to why to keep that stylist there which is why the over the the turnaround time of a stylist coming in I mean you hear it all the time and again I've had salon friends who they are never at the same salon for more than maybe one to three years wow and so if I was gonna you know again come in from an outsider's perspective and maybe teach a salon owner that's like hey like really create this relationship and almost create a business partnership with your stylist as a reason for them to stay um, I just think that there might be some disconnect there as to why the turnaround um, is so high. Well, I feel like it's, um, like, every time you say something, I, like, re- I think about a specific person <laughs> or an owner or, or a stylist. I'm like, this is just bringing back so much things. Yeah. But, like, I'm a natural observer, and I observe everything. And one thing for me coming in as an entrepreneur and understanding or having to try to understand how to run a business, it's like you start recognizing past memories or experiences of you just being a customer in places Mm. as to maybe what they could have done differently as to like build better morale with either their employees or well build better morale with their employees to have a better experience for the customer or the client and just the dynamic as like the front desk working with the stylists and the assistants and it's like one big thing because again I think that synergy is like everyone knowing what role they play and what what they bring to that experience rather than you know your place you know what you're meant to do like it it, it, it's such a shift if you say it differently like this is your role you play in my client's experience like how can I help you how can you help me like I think keeping that up but what popped in my mind a few minutes ago when you were talking about you know the owner being responsible for like setting that is they do there's so many that have done that from the beginning I've been there and witnessed it and so I'll give so much credit to so many of you salon owners that have done that I see you trying especially when you open you have an idea in mind of how you want your culture to be and what you want to bring and what kind of people you want in your space and and then a a few things might happen people that you trusted and, and valued and spent all this time investing in they leave and I think it's an emotional especially women to women I think you know like that's a I've seen it with men too, so I've worked for men on it. It's, it goes across the board. I will not stereotype. And find yourself in the story if you guys can kind of relate to any of this because I think once you have an awareness of it, you can kind of be more conscious of it conscious of it, and bring that awareness to whatever salon you're at yeah. to, to kind of stop the pattern of the bullshit of, well, this isn't working for me or I'm better than that or I'm so busy I should go somewhere that respects me better. I think you can find your, your place anywhere that you work if you're willing to be vulnerable, to circle back to the beginning of our story, and you're willing to talk about what it is that you need, what your clients need, and what you might need from that owner because, like I said, it's a lot of pressure for the owner to be responsible for everybody's personal well-being in their business. Like, yeah. we spend 8, 10, 12 hours a day, 4, 5, 6, 7 days a week in the salon. That's a lot of fucking time to be yeah. in the same house with somebody, <laughs> but not have them know you yeah not have them know what you need and not have them be able to like try to give it to you I've seen stylists leave that were commission-based stylists thinking oh I could leave in booth rent and it will be so much better I won't have to give half my money away now now being a salon owner I mean the margin of percentage of money to be made like a good salon is running at 11 percent like any business minded person looking to invest into a business would not take that deal 
they would be like, that's a good, per-. like, I did my, my, my numbers before I opened, and my investing person, she, she kind of laughed at me. She's like, you must really want to have your own salon. She's like, these numbers don't show a return on all of the things you're going to invest in. I said, you don't understand what my energy means to me. Yeah. To me, that's priceless, and my space is priceless. So being in the industry for so long, I was ready to create my own space. And so I think that's why it's been tough for me to fill my chairs here too, because I want it to be more like a we working space of people who are like-minded, who bring something to the table as well. And then we can have this conversation of what do you need? What do I need? How can we work together? Yeah. So I'm still working on myself as far as personal development and what that really looks like. I think it'd be good to have you help me create maybe a brand to where <laughs> story to where I could share that heartfelt message with potential people working here. Yeah. So then they knew the story behind why I was opening and why I was putting the effort into owning the salon. Because I think when other people resonate with your why too, they want to show up for you as well. Because mm-hmm. they people naturally want other people to succeed. Yes. So if they can be part of your growth and your support, like I would hope that they would realize it'd probably come back full circle, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you were talking earlier about moving, so I wanted to talk about a little about that and how quarantine's kind of like affected <laughs> oh your work and Let's your brain, about- like all the elephant in the room. <laughs> yeah, right now we're just all like, life is great. Uh, no, we're in lockdown still. And if you didn't know, we're recording this right now while the salons are closed, hence why I'm in my salon empty. Um, it's It's been crazy for so many people, but you know, just when I think woe is me, I talk to somebody else in a different industry and I get a totally different perspective on what they're going through and all the things. So share a little bit about like, like, where should I start? I don't know. Do you want me to get some tissue? Like, are we going to cry? Are we going to punch you? (laughs) Maybe. Like talk about vulnerability and this is just a little side topic. And I mean, this is something that I've even been like sitting with a lot during quarantine. And I think naturally during quarantine, we are forced to have space to slow down and like create a lot of introspection for ourselves if you're not already an introspective person and sadly I've always been an (laughs) introspective person so there was a lot of emotion and a lot of things that came up for me over quarantine which kind of led into my move but I mean I've even been fighting myself of getting really vulnerable as to like share that story because I mean you can just feel it all right here it's obviously still sitting here but I don't know. Where should I start? I know, right? I was like, no, you... you. Well, so I think you were mentioning you had, like, a nudge about moving prior to this. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, like, a lot of people, if there was something on your heart or a mission or or something wasn't feeling right, um, quarantine really exacerbated those feelings and really made you sit with them and be like, okay, feeling, I hear you, I see you, and now you're trying to come up and do something. So, like... It goes from like a feeling to like an intuition to a knowing to a like this little person screaming at you to like do something about it. Yeah. So I feel like you said you had the nudge to maybe move outside of San Diego yeah. to expand your business and yeah. now you're in the process of doing that. So why don't we start with like how you were feeling because a lot of people were like you like if they're single and they're living alone it's like I'm stuck at home with an eight-year-old and uh, you know my other half working all the time and running a business so my I'm like wanting to get away from them where some people are like, I can't see anybody and you're stuck at home and you already maybe work from home. So yeah. Yeah. So I guess the, the initial nudge came about a year ago in June. So we're now in August, 2020 a year later and a year later and the same kind of thought process kind of resurfaced. So back in June of last year, I was going through, I think just a, 
an identity shift, not so much on the business side. The business was pretty like solid at that time, but it was more of a personal identity shift of like who I wanted to be, not only in business, but like who I wanted to be as a person because again, full vulnerability. And I think a lot of women essentially, we kind of lose ourselves when we're so focused on either our families or we're focused on our business and we do not take time for ourselves to like really sit with who we want to be for other influences in our lives. And so at that time, I was really thinking about who I wanted to be in a relationship sense. Like mm. that's exactly like that's really what came up for me. And then in the mix of all of that, I got this weird thought. And I mean, it came out of nowhere. I have no idea where it came from other than maybe like the first wave of nudges or signs that I just felt that I needed to be in Orange County. Had nothing to go off of. I've never really spent time in Orange County, but I was like, I think I need to be in Orange County. Then the next kind of set of waves or thoughts came through around New Year's into the beginning of the year that I'm a bridesmaid in a wedding that sadly got pushed back for a whole other year later. It's not until the end of next year. And, you know, thinking about you know, the wedding and all the things that were going to happen and getting ready for it. Like I just had this visual that I was driving to San Diego to go to the wedding that I was not already in San Diego. And I was like, okay, so we're in January, February of 2020. The wedding's in May. This was before quarantine happened. And I was like, how is that possible? Like, I'm like, I live in Bankers Hill. The wedding is taking place in like the La Jolla area. I was like, I'm clearly in San Diego County. Why am I having this crazy thought that I'm literally on the road on the five driving down to San Diego for this wedding? So then that was the next kind of emotion that set up that I was like, where is this coming from? And then, I don't know, I decided to take a drive up the coast one day with a friend and it literally felt like I was time warped in a whole other place. The minute that we reached Newport Beach or the Laguna area, and I was like, oh my gosh. And I was fighting back tears because again, I didn't really know what I was feeling. I was like- I love this shit. Obviously quarantine was happening. A lot of things came up with that. Relationships and just like dynamics with people were coming up and like, Again, once we were on the coast, getting into Laguna, it was like I was time warped in a whole other feeling. And when I drove back down to San Diego that night, back to my place in Bankers Hill, I felt like a visitor in my own house. So it was Newport. Did it feel kind of like home? Like you were yes, like coming home? Yes, it was so familiar. And I mean, I had never been on that drive or if it was, I mean, it was years ago. It was one of the, I mean, you know, my voice is like shaking. I love about when because stuff I like don't, that happens. I don't really know how to like really explain it yeah. other than it was, it was all energy. It was intuition. Mm-hmm. And when I got back home that night, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm leaving San Diego. I put in my notice three days later. <laughs> to your place? In my place. Yeah. Literally put all my stuff in my friend's dad's garage, which is where all my stuff is currently, you know. Probably, well, I don't know when this video will come out, but <laughs> all my stuff has been in a garage up until the present day, and I've been, you know, driving back and from from Carlsbad up to Orange County trying to find the place that is going to give me that same overwhelming and intense feeling because I know that that's, like, the place for me because we don't do things No, uh, I, still I, in my life. It's like things just come and they smack me in the face, and I'm like, okay, noted. Yes. <laughs> Well, and that my my joke um, lately has been the universe um, laughs when we try to get really organized and make a plan. And you seem kind of like a very organized planner. I am not For very the most part. yeah. And so you set up this organized plan, and then the universe is like, "That's cute, but we're actually going to do this instead." So that's you end up with those nudges. Yep. I pause for a second. 
every 30 minutes he has to like read. Well, I was like, I had to recognize. I was like, listen, I'm like shaking talking about so this. So good. And I haven't talked yeah. about it yet. And then you'll snip it down and make it seem cohesive, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. He, he's, he's a genius. <laughs> so fun. Great conversation. Cool. I, I love, love this. I know, Vanessa's yeah. like in her, she's like, yeah, tell us more. I was like, if you have cards, can you bring them out? I have to I, like, wait, Vanessa, this is not your book. I talk right now. <laughs> um, I feel like sometimes when you have quiet time and that space, that intuition can be heard. I feel like we are so in that go, go, go busyness of like always having to be like growing in your business or making calls and connect. You can't sit with that. And so those kind of feelings don't get to come out at least not loud enough for you to take action on them. Like you had time to go up there, you had time to like sit with the feeling and then something made you take action and give your notice and here you are like doing in, in baby steps of whatever's comfortable. Like not everybody's ready to rip the bandaid off and just like jump up and move somewhere but luckily for you, you had a place you could go that got you like a, you know, a few miles closer yeah. staying at your friends up there too and I think I think being willing to at what at, some people get so stuck in the well I can't do that because I should have my own place or I should be doing this or this is how something should be done yes I was gonna say the why and the how yeah did you get stuck on that at all and give yourself any or were you just like I'm gonna do whatever it takes to get up there and if this is what I got to do this is what I'm gonna do I think when it came to putting in my notice, that was the first, I mean, it had to be done, whether it was immediately or if it was like pushing closer to the end of the month. Right. Like I realistically could have given myself all of July to, you know, make the space work, look for an apartment, but for some reason that just did not seem like the logical thing to do. The logical thing for me to do was to just get out of my studio, mm. which I think was the place that I was having such a hard time maintaining. and. You know, working from home, I had my setup, that was not a big deal, but I did not have a, a differentiator or a disconnect from that studio when quarantine happened. Right. I couldn't go to my coffee shops to work anymore, and so I was like literally sitting in my box case of emotion at my desk, like trying to figure out what my next steps were going to be, and there was just so much negative energy, I think, or exhausted energy, I should say, not negative energy. But exhausted energy of just maintaining this space that did not fill my cup the way that I wanted it to. I realistically want a place where I can have my work area that's mm -hmm. different from my bed area, that's different from my kitchen. Like I want a good flow. Sure. Working from home is not the problem, it's having that flow yep. to keep everything separate. <laughs> and so that was the biggest thing that I needed was like, I need to get out of the studio, cut it, done. And I'm so glad that I did it that way, although it has been a transition of having two animals, mind you, in a friend's space, sleeping on a couch, but I just know that that's like part of my journey, and there's been so much other things that have come up. One, trying to step into this role to have other people feel confident to kind of show up for themselves from a media's perspective, but then I'm now led into finally launching a book that I've been like struggling with for my whole entire life. So, <laughs> well, I don't think you can write a book unless you <laughs> suffer through it for your entire yeah, life. Yeah, so. and I mean the direction, the topic is so clear. And again, the, a lot of artists. Did you have writers. this clarity before this? No. Okay. No. Oh man. I knew that I've sat down to try to write it probably ten times for an entire year, every single year for the last like twelve plus years. Wow. But you know, like through your lived experiences, you just have more to share. And I just feel that I'm like, I think I'm finally to 
a good point where I can at least begin writing the first part of it. I think that there's still a lot of shared experiences that I need to live in order to put it in the book. Mm -hmm. But that's not to say that that is book one. That could be there book two. That could be book three. And I feel being an entrepreneur and in the business sense too, it's given me so much more of the the social proof and the experiences to put into the book. Yes. And I've been slowly like putting out bits and pieces of content that like lead into it. Again, I'm like nervous as all get out to like talk about this because again, it's like, I mean, it's, it's all coming up for me right now, but I won't babble too much more about that. But what I've always found that that nervous energy means is some people confuse that as fear, right? Some mm -hmm. people confuse it as fear to me. I don't know if a coach told me this or if a mentor told me this years ago, but they said to me, if you don't have that feeling, you won't actually do the thing because you don't care enough about it. Yeah. That feeling, that's like you caring. That's like your vulnerability behind yep. how important <laughs> it is to you. I had that conversation with my son one day before school. He was super nervous about a test. And I said, if you didn't care about getting that good grade, you wouldn't even be nervous right now. Yep. You would just go in. You wouldn't care. It'd be no big deal. I said, I'm so proud of you for caring so much about your grade on your test. And it was such a teachable moment. But as I said it to him, I was like, this is why I still get nervous to sit down and have and do this kind of shit. Like yep. even you, like you have your own show. <laughs> and she was even like, I'm a little nervous. I'm like, it's because we're excited to do this. Yeah. And I think some people confuse like having to be really like jump up and down excited as a, as okay, that's when you should do something. I think it's when you have all those other feelings too that we don't really talk about. That's when there's like a knowingness to like, I need to share this because I could help somebody. Yeah. And it's a story that, you know, really like my through my lived shared experiences like can't yeah help somebody yeah so and that's why this podcast too was so important to me and I think I had that fear around starting it because I wanted to be perfect I wanted it to you know I wanted to be somebody before it came out well you have to sometimes do the work like struggle for 12 years writing a book that no one's even read yet you know and I had to build my business and I had to live all this life before I could start to really talk about it but I think if anybody's getting into the industry where there's something that they want to share or talk about, you don't have to wait 20 years or 12 years. I think you can teach as you learn as well. And I think that's that's the best way to keep reminding yourself is when you're learning things is to share it with other people. I sometimes come across as like telling people what to do or in that fact, I'm working on that, but I think I get so excited with new information that I just want to tell people. Yeah. And I'm literally relating what I've read or learned to someone else but it, it often I have my delivery has always been a bit tough for me so that's why I like working with other people on um, the importance of what it is I'm sharing versus it be it, it coming off as like a telling thing like or you have to do it this way well no it's I think I get passionate about it because I've tried so many other things in ways like this is what I found works yeah so everybody that you listen to through podcasts or books that we read like we can always find ourselves in their story somehow I remember as an educator sitting in front of salons and you know teaching let's say on a product line or a new technique of a haircut you know and people sitting there just kind of staring at you if you're an educator you can totally resonate with that and so I think I was always a little bit scared as to go into coaching or teaching thinking that I would get that same arms crossed re response yeah energy and through the networking branches that I did I saw people wanting to open up and wanting to talk to each other you know it it, it felt so good to be able to share that space but then when quarantine hit, a lot of people got down about the situation and I tried to host the brunches virtually a couple times afterwards. And this taps into what we were talking about, people kind of falling into that victim mode. 
for me, when we went into quarantine, I was like, free time, and I'm going to get unemployment. I'm like, I'm going to do all the things I said I wanted to do. I was like on level 10 energy, just go, go, go. Finally, someone gifted me this time because I already had a small idea, intuition of a path I wanted to go on. But because I was a thriving stylist behind the chair, I felt like I had to stay in my lane for so long. I couldn't allow myself the time to go and chase these other things. But that gave me the space. But when I hosted the brunches, I quickly realized not everybody felt that like that. Not everybody had something else to fall back on. A lot of them have just been ripped away their ability to make money and yeah. to do the thing they love, which was hair. And so, so many people were stuck at like a level one, two energy. So I had a really hard time like bridging that gap because I was talking to them, trying to encourage them to do something they'd never even thought about before, right? Like it was like a foreign language where I was like, let's talk about community and business. And they're like, I just want to cut hair. Yeah. I just want to do hair. I think this time has given people perspective on what else they're good at, what else things could they offer to other people. What would you say to somebody who's maybe been doing something for a long time like hair, was pretty happy, making good money, but maybe didn't see a way out or an avenue as to where they could use maybe their secret zone of genius is hiding in there somewhere, but they're just known as the hairdresser or the creative. How would you... How would you guide someone on helping them step into like going down another path or adding something to their business? Is there is there anything you could come up with for them? I know that's a loaded question. Yeah, I think the one thing that really comes up for me is being receptive mm -hmm. to maybe lead into a different calling, whether that is a calling that you have resisted yourself. And usually if we have resisted something, it comes up one way or another because yep. it's almost like an old womb. It's it's the shadow work that a lot of like healers or the energy people will talk about is like doing the shadow work. It comes back. It always circles back if you did not address it and identify if it was something that you needed to be led into or if it was something that you will immediately, immediately say no to. Right. And if it's an immediate no, then you know that like that was your answer. That was your justification. But if it comes back, then it's almost something that, like, you should lead into exploring. And so, yeah, I don't know. I think we're in such an emotional period right now. And I think this is where we really have to, like, lead into our emotions. And a lot of people who are just so entrepreneurial-driven or business-driven, I mean, we choose to think about our emotions last. We need the how. We need the why. We need, like, the steps. And a lot of times that's not the biggest piece of the puzzle when it comes to like building something new it like literally comes down to how do you feel about it and the why element i couldn't agree more and so i think just being receptive to different pivots or different paths and letting go of that fear of judgment or criticism because this is something that i'm even working with with my leadership and my transformational coach right now is we just naturally have a fear of criticism of what other people will perceive us as if we are jumping around trying to find our path well guess what that's not theirs to own like people are going to have their thoughts and judgments about you regardless mm -hmm. so just own it and live it and do it because if it if it comes up it's for a reason and just kind of let the fear of judgment and criticism go easier said than done and I'm still like trying to find ways to work through that and navigate that myself especially from the social media mm -hmm. perspective but 
we're humans, we're human beings, and we naturally have a wandering eye of looking what other people are doing, and people have natural things that come up of a, a judgment of someone else, and that actually has nothing to do with that other person. It has something that you have not, it's something that you haven't dealt with in yourself, and so being receptive, and I'm going to always come back to introspection, like really think with yourself and feel with yourself for a minute before you cause any forecasting or shadows onto someone else. Mm. And oh, so, that's a good one. Yeah, this is where, like, really figuring out where you might be playing a victim in your own life, in your own story, before you project it onto someone else. Because a lot of the projection actually has nothing to do with the other person. It's something that hasn't been dealt with internally. Amen. I am going on a whole other tangent. Girl, you're speaking, again, to my, you're speaking to my soul because this kind of work, I think I resisted for a long time. Like, the personal development world has always been around me, but I was really only introduced to it about six or seven years ago through Lori Harder when she gifted me yeah. a ticket to the Bliss Project. I walked into that not knowing... It was like an incredible event. I had no idea what I was walking into by myself. There was like 400 women in a room and we're talking about all this kind of stuff and then people are crying and hugging and I'm like, what is this woo-woo shit? Like these women, what? I have friends. What's going on? Like it was just such an awkward situation for me. It was so good. It like cracked me open and I went back the next year as a volunteer and was in a completely different headspace because I started to learn the language of what it meant to tap into all of that. I was so always surface as far as like get shit done with my list and like you know more on that masculine energy of like go 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 I was raised by a single mom who yeah. tried to be my mom and my dad so when you said earlier about like trauma I don't think I actually had any like detrimental trauma that I would call it but there were things that were missing mm -hmm. and and as I got older realized okay that's probably where that came from that's why I try to make up for it over here why I'm always trying to achieve because from the jump my mom didn't want me to be a hairdresser it was like that's not a real job I'm not going to pay for you to go to a $9,000 beauty school, but I'll put you through medical school for the next 10 years. Like that kind of, that was like the thought process behind that's not a successful career. So you shouldn't choose that. Yeah. Therefore I'm not going to support you. And so, you know, from the beginning, I think even when people would ask me, why did you open a salon? And I didn't realize, and I, I was listening to one of Lori's podcasts the other day. She was talking to Britt Siva, who is another person that I really look up to in the industry because she's kind of led the way as far as like helping stylists with the business side of things and they had a conversation about their moms and about things that popped up and I thought literally through that podcast I was like huh at 39 and a half I'm still trying to prove to my mom that I'm successful and that I've made it and that look at me I, I have all this now are yeah. you like I'm getting emotional too <laughs> but it's funny when you don't sit with yourself and you don't allow yourself to have that space that you can realize where things are coming from am I still wanting to be successful do I still want to have I still do want it for myself well, yeah. but like that was what was that deep rooted it was never going to be enough like nothing she could even say at this point would have made it that feeling go away probably so it was one they had like it was i just was listening to a conversation you know and you don't always relate to the whole story of everything someone talks about but there's always little pockets that you can pull from it um it's the anchor it's, and the, i always will call it the anchor because that literally like when something comes up and you resonate with it it's like an anchor drops and you're like Ooh. hold up I just stopped in my tracks in my thought process in my like path and you're like okay this is new it yeah. caused like it caused something to come up and trauma responses aren't always like having to be like extreme physical traumas it could be emotional trauma too and emotional trauma comes in the smallest form whether that was something that was said again from somebody else's projection yep. that like made you feel one way shape or form about the thing that was said or about how you internalized it. Right. So, 
Yeah, it can be that one sentence someone said to you in second grade that resonated with you forever. <laughs> you know, about your hair being frizzy or crazy. Like, like they're like when I look back at the, like there's like a history and a path as to why I became a hairdresser, and it was so much more deep rooted than me wanting to not go to real school and go you to beauty school. You just saying that made me think yep. about something that was said to me in the sixth grade about me being like a frizz head because. In the sixth grade, do you really know how to do your hair? Hell no. Maybe no one told me not to brush curly below. hair. You should have seen me, girl. <laughs> but I was like caking on hairspray yeah. like try to get it down because I spent all the time in the water and in the sun of course you know and you're a kid at six in sixth grade what else you should are you have, supposed to do I discovered a <laughs> bottle of gel in my mom's cupboard in sixth grade oh so my gosh, I had that slick wet gel. it was like a clear goopy it was just uh it's and no then wonder the scrunch yeah hair yeah look. and then the slick back ponytail <sighs> uh so many stories with that but something you said earlier I wanted to circle back around too about you feeling like you know in the studio, by yourself, in the box, type of thing. But sometimes you could have talked yourself the other way. This is as good as it gets. This is where I need to be. Like, there's nothing better out there for me. I'm thinking of a hairdresser at a salon that's not suited for them. But they stay because they don't think they have any other options. They stay either in a relationship that doesn't serve them as well. Like, I had a, a coaching um, client or a mentee go through a breakup during the time, the eight weeks that we were doing the six figure stylist program together okay. because something for her, it was a non-negotiable on how she wanted to show up and be. And that's why the work I feel like the course that I designed is all about setting up rituals, your non-negotiables, being able to, to give yourself space to tap into those feelings. So you can come from a place of awareness and know like, this isn't serving me anymore. And if you've been in a situation for a while or if you've been at a place for a while, that's okay. It's not all for nothing. Like it's not like, oh fuck, I wasted time or any of that. I think once you're aware, the choice to then take action and to look for outside ways to to move on or to to grow like you didn't have the answer like you didn't have the perfect apartment waiting for you being like move here and here's your new job set up and all the things you knew you had to get rid of one energy before you could even focus on the next one and i think so many people have an attachment to i can't let go of this until i have something else to grab onto that's just like human behavior right there. that's like relationships you see men do men and women probably do it too but a lot of men they won't get they won't break up with this one until they get a new one my mom used to say yeah don't quit your old job till you get a new one and she meant it in like relationship form and i thought that's a fucked up thinking way <laughs> i have a lot of uh, things to unpack in unconditions and uh, like beliefs that i have well that comes down to the relationship cycle yeah and which is a whole method which on my show in the early stages i talked about it and it was so uncomfortable talking about, about relationships about the relationship style oh my god cycle cycle which related to the attachment styles. Mm. So the relationship cycle is basically another model built off of the, your, your attachment styles and how it's easy to kind of get stuck in the anxious, avoidant trap, which I love it, to our the personal. avoidant trap. I love to avoid, avoid, avoid. <laughs> I am so good at avoiding. I'm like, oh, this doesn't feel good. I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah. well, a lot of people. Oh, okay, I think, I'm normal. That's I good. I think we all naturally fall into that pattern one way shape or form at different stages in our lives Mm -hmm. if not repeatedly repeatedly but that's where it's like you have to really recognize the patterns when it comes to relationships and it's not always significant a lot of it can be business relationships too or friendships your collaborators your friendships and you're like if you're starting to feel like the victim and you're like why does this keep happening to me why does this keep happening to me then that is like your debt hole recognition to be like 
where's the pattern coming from and how can I fix it? Yeah. Because if the same things keep happening in your life, you you gotta turn around and look <laughs> at yourself. That was uh, serious. You how much time we got left on this? Because I don't want to go over it. I, I think we're tapping into something kind of fun right now. Do we got some time still? Okay. Um, relationship <laughs> patterns roll into your business life so much more than you realize. Mm -hmm. So like what you're talking about earlier about not just focusing on just business, like you wanted to see how you showed up in relationships. I was married in my early 20s and I was even more married to my career because it was taking off quickly. And so I chose that over him. And because I grew so quickly in my career, I remember looking down and rather than like saying, hey, you want to come with me? I was like, mm, you can't keep up. Bye. Like it was so like looking back now, I'm like, I hope I don't go to hell for that. But you learn, like you learn from your mistakes and you learn from the patterns that you do. And like when you replay the, like I'm going to be 40. So that was, I was in my early 20s, 23, 24. We got married and I was 25, maybe made it two years. We were together like six years, but that relationship pattern was something I had seen before. Like when things didn't feel good or they weren't right, you just left. You just, mm -hmm. it was fine. You were like, oh, it's fine. This is done. Well, that's not how you maintain a great relationship. I have yeah. a best friend of over 20 years too, and we've had highs and lows and everything in between. And we went through a huge wave of codependency on one another where, all, you know, misery loves company. So <laughs> we would love to just like commiserate with each other and you know, we finally had to have a conversation about like, let's only make our conversations positive. If there's something you need to vent or talk about, let's do that. But preface it with, hey, I got something I need to talk to you about. Can you just hold some space for me? Yeah. I don't need you to shit all over it too. Asking if you can hold, if someone else can hold space for you too, is the biggest dynamic changer in any conversation that you have with someone else. Yes. Because I think being in safe spaces, and I know that I'm a safe space for a lot of people, so I wear a lot of stuff for a lot of people, but it's like I don't always, I never always used to have that cup for other people, and then I would always like, my cup would be depleted and empty, which is usually when there was a lot of other havoc that was created in patterns or... Can hairdressers relate being, to that? Being drawn to like negative, you know, significant relationships that I should have known that were not good for me, and it's because like I wasn't able to recognize the the positive energies or the positive relationships that I needed to be dragged towards. Wow. So it's just like, I think even what you said, asking if someone can hold space for you or being like, can you give me space before you even just like unload it all on that person yeah. can make a, it's a huge game changer, not only for yourself, but for that other person. Oh yeah. Like they'll be like, Oh wow. Mm -hmm. Like, no, maybe I can't hold space for you today, but like, let's find another time when I'm working through my own. Stuff. And they, <laughs> and this is why, like, even though we started talking about woo-woo stuff and it may not pertain to us as a stylist, now it just tied back in. So that's why conversations like this, because we've kept it going and we're getting vulnerable. As a stylist, we hold space for so many clients. That's like our job. It's it's like you're you're a therapist who happens to be a hairdresser. So I said in the beginning, I'm yeah. like every time my butt sits in that chair, I'm like, right. so can I just get into my life decisions right now? Yes. And last week during an interview, I was talking about clients that I had a lady who she has two small children. Her husband was off to deployment or something, and she hadn't seen another adult woman in like months. She talked nonstop for three hours after oh, you know two glasses she of water. Needed to be heard. Yeah, and at the end, she was like, "Can you tell I haven't been around people in a while?" Yeah. And I was like, "I'm glad I got to hold that space for her." But it also took me years to be able to like let that go. And like during it, I needed a break, so I actually excused myself. Whereas I wouldn't have done that for myself before. 
So in the middle of it, I needed a break. I needed to eat something. I excused myself. I went and had my snack. I took some downtime and I came back. But back in the day, like I would run through 10, 12 clients, not take any breaks, hear all the stories, carry all of that, get to my car and just, you know, have nothing left. And so in my defense as to why that first marriage didn't work out, like I would get home and be like, do not even speak to me. So I didn't see him for 10 hours. And then I'd get home and be like, don't, don't talk to me. Like that, that's not going to work. No. You have to learn how to have that balance. And so I see a lot of hairdressers go through that burnout phase where they have failed relationships or they end up in situations with people that they shouldn't be with um, because they don't create the space to be able to detach from that or they give too much to one and not to the other. So yeah. they see a huge imbalance because they're chasing one thing versus the other. Um, so, so I feel like we could talk for like three hours on this <laughs> kind know. of shit. It's like we're in like the mess part of the conversation yes like the mess of the message the mess of the, don't they say the mess is your message like <laughs> yeah. is that like the common theme um and that's why you is that probably you're gonna have a great book because yeah, I, sh- I should fucking well, write a book too right yeah. yes well that's what i'm saying like when i gave myself just space from the studio and not feeling like grinding because with me i was grinding in the business the minute quarantine happened and i told that i could not go anywhere i was like i'm gonna dig this into the business to the point where I ran myself in the ground and I could not really take myself out of that, again, exasperated energy or exact, yes, which word, pretty much the energy of just like keeping that place afloat. And then once I finally was like, I will do whatever I need to do to just get out of here to see what comes up and all of this stuff, the messages, the words, the direction, the path, a new business path that like really made no sense to me a month or so ago, but working with the coach and she's like, how did you not see that this was where you needed to shift in life and in your business to be this empowerment person for other people? I was like, I just see that as like my ability to just build connections and relationships with people. Like to think that I would step into confidence coaching when I still deal with my own vulnerabilities and my own insecurities in whatever way, shape or form they may be. I was like, how could I be that for someone else? But sometimes it's being the person that allows another person to be heard, which again, my cup would always be depleted because I would always give people the safe space just to be heard, seen, recognized. Mm. I've been doing it my whole life, just not in the business sense. Oh my gosh. Have you read, um, what's the book I'm, I'm trying to get to you? Oh, the, leap. The, the leap, the big leap. So no. you have to read that. So okay. he talks a lot about um, being in your zone of excellence mm-hmm. versus your zone of genius. So he highly yeah. recommends you need to figure out how to get into your zone of genius because most of us live in our zone of excellence, which creates a decent life, which creates you feeling like you're doing the most, but you've tapped into what it is that you're truly good at and what feeds you as well. So like your coach saw it something in you that's been there, like you just said, all along. <laughs> and you want to know, you want to know something funny? After she said it was one of our first sessions when we decided to start a new program together because she did a session with me I'm just gonna put this all out there all (laughs) my cards are on the table let me just tell you what really escalated a lot of my decision was I had my first like mental emotional breakdown that I have had I mean it was the heaviest breakdown that I think that I have ever felt and it was right before I had a session with her Mm. and so I get on the phone I tell her, I'm like, I'm just going to let you know where my head is right now. I just got done having just the biggest release of emotion that I don't even know where it came from. I don't know if it just needed to be released. 
And she's like, that does not surprise me that it would happen right before our call because she really broke down all of my barriers in that call. And I think energetically, I knew that that was going to happen, that I wanted to release it to be able to give her what she needed to be able to pinpoint where I needed to shift as just a human, not even just like as a leader, but as a human who needed to like follow this new path. And she keeps telling me, like, even through that whole process, which, mind you, four days after that breakdown was the day that I drove up the coast and I entered a time warp into Mm. Orange County, literally four days after, and then put in my my notice literally three days after the coast trip happened. And then now that's what's escalated all of this other stuff of coming up, of writing the book, leading into this new path. And I have no attachment to any of it. I'm just going to let it kind of unfold the way that it's supposed to, which is weird coming from the ego self because I think we have ego versus soul or in a book I'm reading it's called the soulful self versus the protective self Mm -hmm. and so protective self is we need steps we need strategy we need like end goal we need to know where the soulful self is you just know it's going to happen and you're just going to lead with whatever things come up or whatever is brought in the path to kind of get to that that end goal it sounds like the underlining tone is to release expectation of how you think something's going to be yes expectations are a buzzkill they're a (laughs) motherfucker that's like she says things nicely i think it's like aggressive so what's crazy is i know for a fact so many hairdressers so many people in the beauty industry are relating so hard to what you're talking about because I know if I was feeling that pull, I'm like, oh, you're I not said, alone. Like you're not you. alone. I guarantee it because through, you know, becoming a coach and stepping into that, that created awareness for me to know that I wasn't alone in some of those feelings too. So through quarantine, I've had a lot of releases like that, that came right before calls with my coaches that made me not want to talk to them because I didn't want to show weakness. I didn't want to show them that I wasn't prepared or that I was because I had my mind set on how I want, what I wanted from them and what I thought I was going to get from this exchange of whatever. And to, to just ex- release expectation to know whatever came out of it was what was meant to be. Yeah. Same thing. So I actually hired a coach to help me design the course that I did, the Six Figure Stylist course. And it was meant to be more like the Beauty Inspires Beauty method. So it was like my methods to how I created a beautiful life and how I lived this certain lifestyle. So... Um, through through the calls every week, I would find myself resisting wanting to talk to her because I had said one thing to her and then I was kind of feeling the pull to do something else. So it, it was confusing, but by like the sixth or seventh call, we like cracked open what it was and her and I came to the conclusion, same thing, confidence and mindset coach for the beauty industry. Yeah. Oh. Can we, can we, can we do another third or another few minutes? I know yeah. this is long. Okay. We got, we got at least like 15 more minutes. Um, let me check my phone really quick. Is that on? Sorry. Let me check. Oh, my parking is at 11. Oh, Oh, it's free right now. Huh? It's free right now. I was in a meter, though. It's free. It is? Even though it had... should have taken your money. Yeah. Did it take... Was it on? It said I could prepay. Oh, if it's on, you probably have to pay because it's been turned off. No, it's free. It's been free this whole time. On J? On J Street? Yeah, but it'll still take your money. But they're not giving any... I've parked in 30 minutes every day. Okay. Yeah. Trust me. We'll be done. We'll be done soon. <laughs> I'll fight it regardless. I'll, I'll pay for it if it is. No. It's not. I know. Um, okay. Ha, let's do like 15 minutes and let me know when we're there. Okay. okay. Are we on? Manifest. Yep. Okay. Wh- where did we end, do you think? I didn't get that last part of what you were saying about when you invested in your coach. Okay. 
So investing in a coach was something that like I knew I had to do to create that program, but I went in with it with like, this is what I'm gonna get out of this interaction with her. And what I got out of it was her actually coaching me through my um, vulnerability around becoming a coach because I felt the same way you did. I'm not in this specific place. How can I teach X, Y, Z? Well, because you're so used to doing something that is physical that creates a result. Right. That that is true. Yeah. So I didn't even think about it like that. But what was funny is like it was a 12-week course that I designed, and the last couple of weeks were really around like um, budgeting and money and kind of a lot of things that I don't have tailored to a T in my business yet. So I felt like I couldn't add them to the course. So I actually took them out and focused on what I know my zone of genius to be, which is building that foundation for people. I'm really good at helping people figure out that first like getting you to take those couple of steps and encouraging you to chase that thought or dream or idea, right? Because yeah. a lot of times people can't, they can't even take the first couple of steps because like I was stuck on step 500. I was like, well, what about oh, that and that and that and that? And she was like, you just do this first, write out the outline. Um, yeah, but like, I can't see, she's like, write the outline, right? Like if we had to go back, it was like this power struggle. I hired her to tell me what to do and I'm arguing with her, Yeah. right? It, 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 so there was so or many were dodging yeah or dodging I did a lot of dodging yeah. and I as I started mentoring other people I could see the resistance come up for them the day or before where they would try to reschedule or they would I didn't do my homework can we push the call back and I thought this oh, is just human I've behavior done that to her twice yes. already and she's like no. you can't do that no sorry you just try to show up in whatever <laughs> way that you're showing up because it's not about them it's your journey and yeah. so when you hire a coach or when you hire someone to help you let them help you. Let them hold that space for you. That's like my biggest bit of advice that you're not wasting a call if you're not prepared. You're not wasting your time with them if you didn't do what they suggested you do. It's your journey to be learned. And if you have someone that you've paid to hold you accountable, like let it roll and be whatever it's meant to be. There's always a transformation in every single one of those calls, even with my coach. And I mean, don't triggers. you get off the call every time feeling better? Oh my gosh, I'm crying through the call <laughs> half the time. So I'm like, I just feel so relaxed, but then exhausted at the end of yeah. it. But like, you know, she'll always repeat, just to recap, you know, this is where the the transformation came through. This was the, you know, the, the anchor of the conversation. And now those are things that I'm holding on to this new journey that I'm like, oh my gosh, now I can identify certain things that maybe I wasn't able to identified before in the beginning attachment was one of the big mm. ones that came up for me because i i'm gonna have an attachment to san diego yeah 12 years of my life have been here um that was something that came up for me but working with the coach especially coming from a person who's so used to executing something it's really hard to break through execution versus just being like hey this is how i'm going to guide somebody sure guiding on a journey is more powerful i think in the in the end than having to execute Yes. And I, when I think about, you know, stepping into a coaching position, you might feel like this too, because it is new for both of us. Um, we've already done this for years. We just didn't realize it's what we were doing. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't realize some of the things they're naturally just good at. And it could be used for your next journey or your next phase or your next big thing that could actually become your next business. Um, but I think you have to give yourself that permission to try it on and see how it feels and take the first couple of steps to see if it is something that you're interested in. Yeah. Because it might not be. It, it could be, but it might not be, I think. But if you don't give yourself an opportunity to, like, test it, you'll never know. And I don't want to end my days not trying things that I could have, you know, changed the whole trajectory of my life. Uh, the what-ifs are the 
the worst. I made yeah. question mark. It's like I don't want to hold any question marks in my in my path anymore. No, no, thank you. Okay, we're definitely gonna have Ashley yeah. back because I feel like we could talk for hours, and I want to follow up with like your journey and where you're going with your business. Yeah, like you've been a great anchor in this because it's been I like I said I have not shared any of this in a very long time because I'm like I'm feeling through this whole move and seeing what comes up and so this is like the step of like talking about it again I love it yay (laughs) good and is your show still going do you still have that are you plan to continue yeah, that? so my show Coffee Babble, it we used to be in a format like this, moved it to live streaming the beginning of quarantine because that was the only thing that made sense. And that yeah. was like the light at the end of the tunnel to keep the conversations going to see how everybody was feeling in that time. And I had to take a pause because I had to figure out where I was in my life too. And I have every aspiration of launching it again. I just don't know when that's going to be. <laughs> I honor you taking that time that you needed because I think sometimes we push through that feeling that is calling us to take a break. And I beat myself up a little bit because I continued my conversations for about a month afterwards. And then I just had to stop. Yeah. I needed that space for myself. I needed to step away. So I totally honor that you did that. And I say, take as much time as you need and we'll be excited when you get back to it. Um, but we will definitely have you back. This was so much fun. I'm so grateful for your time. Yes, absolutely. And so where can people find you on social media? So once you start back on there, we can follow you and just see what you're up to. So super able, uh, super simple. You can see, I almost put easy and simple into one word. Easy. Super easy easy to find me under your Brandista on all social media platforms. Got it. Cool. I'm a little silent on a lot of them, but. All right. Well, we'll we'll keep peeking back for more information. Yes, please do. Okay. What's one thing that you would leave somebody with? Let's just say hairdresser because this is my audience and my Mm -hmm. people I'm trying to serve. Um, If they're feeling that little bit of intuition, that nudge, what would be your suggestion just as someone who's stepping into the confidence mindset coaching to get them to kind of tap into that to see if it's something they need to explore? What would you, what advice would you give them? Yeah, I think if there's something tangible, like if you need to feel like you are doing something to create space for yourself to kind of get into an introspective place, meditating as overused as it is nowadays it's literally the most powerful thing and if you don't really know what meditation is or if you've not really like sat in meditation before get on inside timer there's amazing healers and teachers on there that do a series of courses too if you just want to be walked through steps of how to meditate or how to just pause to reflect um super simple get on inside timer it's like an app that i recommend through and through and I think from a business standpoint, maybe go back to the basics of sitting down and asking maybe your customers, like, you know, what is the best aspect of your experience with me that what keeps you coming back? I think we can learn a lot from other people's experiences with us um, and just do a survey or just have a 15, 30 minute conversation with them to be like, hey, what is the best, like, what are the best attributes of your experience with me as to why you keep coming back? I love that. I think it frames a lot of perspective from there of like what you give to someone else, which leaves a lasting impression. Yes. And on that note, I will. Internally and with their their looks. (laughs) If you can get them to send you that in an email or a text form or even a live video, that's proof, social proof that we were talking about that you are worthy of what you're charging. You're in the right zone for yourself and it can help you kind of grow that confidence within you. If you're looking to raise your prices, if you're looking to go on your own, if any of you are seeking that kind of validation, cause we all need that. And that's just more stuff that you can have to kind of support you in your business. I love that advice. It's so good. Um, okay. This was so awesome. Thank you guys for tuning in and we will see you on the next one.